0: Go behind the scenes and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra
0: cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and dot com slash deals
2: that's alienware dot com slash deals Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is
0: Matt. Noel is on an adventure today, but will be returning soon. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, Codename Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It is the top of the week, right after uh, quite a quite a wonderful long weekend for us here in. Uh, not just in Atlanta, but in Detroit and in New York and the various places that we find ourselves scattered. Uh, As usual, Matt, as we like to do, uh, you and I have scoured the Internet. We have uh, have dug deep into uh, the weirdest stories that often don't make it to the mainstream spotlight. And one thing that I thought was interesting is you and I, both went with some, uh, we, we both went with some scary tech futurism, some scary tech stories. But before we go, you know, I was thinking because it's just the just four the of us two today. of us. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I would feel like I was being rude if I didn't back you up on that. We can make it if we try. Uh, <laughs> what's the other one?
2: It's just the two of us on mic currently, unless mm. Doc, you know, gets a wild hair.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we say something that especially infuriates codename Doc Holiday, she will not hesitate to put us back in line. <laughs> oh, I said, oh, oh, no, wait, we've got video. Oh, and she's gone. That was a close call. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so and that was that was Doc herself laughing there. Uh, so what I am think we could do, Matt, is let's explore our stories together. And then maybe if we have time, if we have sort of a third act we could uh throw some headlines at each other because i'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you see that just doesn't make the cut to be your cho- chosen one almost a chosen one uh your 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 chosen one for the week how do you feel about that sounds great uh,
2: did you read the one about the stingrays in, in the the little touching area of a specific you know the place where you can actually touch the stingrays at an aquarium oh, yeah yeah no, I didn't. Okay, we'll we'll talk about it later. Though. Well, now we have to do it.
0: Did you read the one about the whoosh, whoosh, rogue AI drone? No. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. We'll do the show first, and then we'll we'll do the rest of this. Uh, okay. So we we said we picked two uh, pieces of scary tech reporting. And Matt, I've got to be honest, mine is going to be familiar to quite a few of our fellow conspiracy realists on the Here's Where It Gets Crazy Facebook page. Uh, This is a story about social media and big data collection. And your story is, I believe, also about technology that's going to become increasingly dangerous and pervasive in in the next few years. And your story also deals specifically with some problems that we have pointed out in uh, emergent AI tech, right? I I don't want to go too much further without spoiling the surprise. My old friend, do you have a preference for what terrible thing we learn about first?
2: Let's, can, may I go first? And it's only because it's a specific hardware-software combo that's kind of one piece of the larger story that is what, you are going to talk about, I think. Let's do it. Okay, so we'll build up. Well, I'll read you what I've got here. Uh, this is the title of the article, AI Emotion Detection Software Tested on Uyghurs. This is from BBC News, written by Jane Wakefield. I believe it's it's May 25th or 26th uh, of this year. And what I want to talk about today isn't necessarily about the Uyghur population and their treatment, Um by Chinese authorities and you know the government there. That this is a very important aspect of this story and it is worth going into and diving into. What I really want to talk about is the tech that is emerging here um, mm-hmm. and and the implications that it could have. So this is what I will I'll read you directly from that BBC article. This is what it says. A camera system that uses AI and facial recognition intended to reveal states of emotion has been tested on Uyghurs in Xinjiang, the BBC has been told. Now, this is important. The BBC was told this, and they're not revealing their sources. It says, a software engineer claimed to have installed such systems in police stations in the province, and the software engineer agreed to talk to the BBC's Panorama program under the condition of anonymity. And uh, this is because he fears for his own safety. And the company for which he worked is not being revealed. It was not revealed in that entire article. Uh, but he did show Panorama five photographs of specifically Uyghur detainees who he claimed had the emotion recognition system tested upon them. So first of all, before we even jump into this, this specific article and story that's being told to the BBC Panorama is being told by you know a source that the BBC has chosen to trust with that information but as you know a listener as a viewer as a reader we have to then trust the bbc as an outlet to have made that decision that okay this information may be legitimate but we you know we don't have a specific name that can be cited a source that can be cited so we have to take it i don't know
0: as a little less than absolutely true does that make sense sure we have to at least be cautious about being overly credulous, right? That's, that's something that's tricky uh, with any kind of sensitive reporting because, you know, if you're a reporter, uh, whether you're Seymour Hersh or a cub just starting out, the last thing you want to do is compromise a source because it means other people won't trust you in the future. And in this case, it means the source could be detained, uh, incarcerated, tortured, murdered. These are all
2: options that are on the table there those are all options on the table and simultaneously we cannot rule out that maybe and again i, I hate to even say this but we cannot r- completely rule out that it's some kind of propaganda story you just sure. you, you just can't mm-hmm. so and, and again that doesn't i guess you could assign probabilities to either of those scenarios but in this case we just have to be aware that they're all possibilities but let's jump into what the article says. What information was given to BBC Panorama by this anonymous source? This person, the source, showed Panorama, like it, like we said, five photographs of these detainees that supposedly underwent uh, experimentation in some way or testing with this new software hardware combo. And what was displayed? at least for the folks there, were these pie charts that represented what the system was seeing when it was using this new facial emotion recognition software on each individual. And it's a pie chart. And what it represents, essentially, is this person's state of mind. At least that's what it it purports to represent. And what it's looking for are negative emotions, things like anxiety, stress, anger, anything that could be considered negative. Uh, they are searching this person's face, their temperature, all kinds of uh, bio data on this person to see whether whether or not they could be trouble, right? whether or not they're suspicious. And that's specifically what it's looking for. Is this person suspicious?
0: Right. And this is going beyond your typical facial recognition match, which uses still photos because – when you're using, um, when you're capturing video like this, you greatly expand the number of things that you can measure. So we're also talking vocal tone. We're talking, you know, you and I were talking about micro expressions off air earlier today. Uh, It also will be able to check micro expressions. They're a real thing that most people have unless they've been trained to try to Suppress those expressions, those reactions, those little facial tics. But even if you have that kind of training, which again is a real thing, uh, you probably wouldn't be able to fool a system like this if it had enough stuff to measure and if it had enough other faces to reference. Yeah, you're right. Uh,
2: essentially, what you need for this to function is time in front of the system. You need to have a human like face and be in front of the system for, you know, longer than a few seconds. And this anonymous source is saying that they installed this system at prisons with an S, and that it was specifically being used on the Uyghur population. And and again, as I said before, I don't want to jump too deep into to that situation between, you know, the Chinese government and the Uyghur population, but we just I would just say that it's pretty obvious that multiple sources have claimed and seem to have confirmed The mistreatment of the Uyghur population by the Chinese government, that's at least the way it appears at this time.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right, Matt. Uh, The quick and dirty version of it is that the Uyghur population is considered one of China's 55 officially recognized ethnic minorities. They are culturally distinct in, in many ways, you know uh, they they've lived in the region for a long time they're technically a turkic ethnic group uh, but when we say culturally distinct we mean like a um, majority muslim uh the cuisine is different uh they're they're not han chinese and since about 2014 the chinese government has been if we're being extremely diplomatic uh they've been engaging in a policy of total non-consensual cultural assimilation. So things like secretive internment camps, lack of legal process. You know, you and I have explored various aspects of this story in the past. Uh, Everything from allegations of organ harvesting, which goes back to your, is this how much can we trust question, right? Allegations of organ harvesting, the detainment camps, uh, those have been proven, those are real Uh, threats against journalists, forcing people to – forcing children to learn the language as well as adults learn Mandarin at least. And then um, even to the point of sending uh, Chinese military members to live in a a Uyghur family's home after one of their parents has been detained uh, just to keep an eye on people. So it's it's a very – it is an unsustainable situation. The majority of the Uyghur population feels that the overall Chinese government is attempting to erase them from history, from the present, and from the future. Not the Chinese government, of course, does not agree with that uh, with that description, but they are outnumbered by the multiple agencies who allege that at least some of those practices are going on. So you can understand how people who are already concerned about the Uyghur population would be uh, pretty terrified, pretty spooked by the idea of adding this nascent, already problematic technology to the mix. Uh, and that's, that's something I think a lot of people explore, you know, uh, when you come to the concept of what is race uh, to an AI or facial recognition algorithm. right. And we know there are
2: major issues with a lot of the existing technology for facial recognition uh, because of those very things. And there are specifically major issues with this version of emotion facial recognition or emotion recognition Mm -hmm. software. Um, Mm -hmm. And it has to do with how it was tested, at least according to this anonymous source who spoke with the BBC. This person said that test subjects were placed into restraint chairs, which sounds very stress-free already, just calling it a restraint chair, <laughs> right, right? right? Which are widely installed in police stations across China, according to the BBC. Uh, quote, your wrists are locked in place by metal restraints, and the same applies to your ankles. Again, this is like a day at the spa. Sounds the same to me. Uh, wow. Then what they do is they use the AI system, you know, pointed at your face and detect everything from your facial micro-expressions, as you said, Ben, to the way your pores adjust because it can see that deeply into you. Mm. Um, and, you know, like you said, temperature, all these other things. And it's really tough to even imagine this being real because according to the source, the whole reason for this is to be able to provide, quote, pre-judgment without any credible evidence or without evidence. So mm. to be able to uh, pre-cog, right? Pre-cog crime and or threats to a location or individuals. That's what this whole thing is about. Or
0: to determine, it'll probably start with determining uh, evidence, right, of a, of a past crime. You know, the lie detector idea is, I think, where they're going. They're definitely going first, right? Show you a picture of something, an explosion maybe, and then ask how you feel about it. It's also like interesting. set a
2: baseline and then right. Move on. Right. But that's certainly one way that it's being used. I think the other issue is that it's not just police stations. It's also being used in uh, assisted living facilities, Uh in some Uh schools. It's being used uh, just at random police checkpoints. You can set one of these up. Or when entering a large corporate building, these systems have been tested in several different places. Again, it's not all the same system. It's not all the same Software and/or hardware, but there are various systems like that that are meant to do the same thing and just see how you're feeling.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things there to me was that there's a list of emotions that they're looking for, right? Beyond just the pie graph stuff, um, there's a project manager who speaks on record in the in an article quoted by the Guardian, and they talk about. They have literally a list of emotions. And one of them really stood out to me, man, was boredom. I don't think boredom should ever be listed as a crime. I think it's okay to be bored. I think there, I, I don't think anybody should ever be bored because there's always something interesting to do, right? But uh, but I think it's okay if that's like the choice you make or that's what you're going through uh, out of like, none of this is happening in a vacuum There are multiple reports that Uyghur populations already have to give DNA, uh, have to get facial scans out the wazoo, and then also have to download uh, an app on their phone. And if they don't now, if they don't carry a smartphone, they may be seen as suspicious because they may be seen as trying to avoid that app and that tracking. So this is like, if there's an emotion that's not terror, that these folks are experiencing. I say let them have it, you know, let them be bored. If you have that luxury, people don't realize boredom is a tremendous luxury.
2: Imagine the other implications. If it's not just bored, if it really is anger that they're looking for or just a general stress and you're having something, let's say you're in Tokyo and you've got an Olympics planned and you want to have a way to possibly check and see if anyone means other people harm when they're entering a large you know, stadium or facility or something like that. And mm-hmm. you potentially could. I can imagine, in a, you know, an authority really liking the possibilities that the software would provide or this the system would provide. But then you imagine it in train stations and then you imagine it in airports and, you know, at your job and at your kid's school. And you just imagine the world looking at you and judging if you're having a bad day. And possibly if you are having a bad day, Maybe you're a terrorist, maybe you're, you know, a potential threat to, to somebody else.
0: And that's absolutely, I mean, that's absolutely what's happening. And I, I just want to bring this up with you because I know you've probably thought of this too. Cultural expressions of things are not universal across the human population, uh, nor within the human population, right? So what about what about misidentifying people? Right? What if you got the wrong angry bird uh and then what what about people who are neuroatypical or for some reason don't display emotions in you know in what the in a way the AI would expect? And I'll, I'll say it just so I can be a bit uh, a bit lighthearted about something that is terrifying and dystopian and very much on the way. To you, by the way, if you live in the U.S. and it's this: what if you have the good old RBF? You know what I'm talking about. The resting face. But face? Sure. Resting belligerent face, we'll we say. <laughs> so, like how, you know, I'm sure this stuff is supposed to have, in theory, uh, safeguards that might just say, oh, that person's not uh, furious and angry. They're just like this. It's just Robert De Niro, you know? I'm joking a little bit, but their mouth just goes down.
2: Yeah. No, for sure. And again... If I'm if I'm in an off mood and I'm walking by a random kiosk, uh I don't want to get tackled by <laughs> some security force. <laughs> anyway, um it's a it's a weird it's a weird situation, right? The last thing I want to say here, Ben, is that this tech, at least according to The Guardian, and you can read this in their article, Smile for the Camera, the Dark Side of China's Emotion Recognition Tech. You can read about how the markets, the global markets, view this industry, Ooh. and there's a quote down here that it's being forecast globally to be worth nearly thirty-six billion dollars by 2023. Uh, this this whole facial recognition, emotion recognition industry, big mm-hmm. big emotion detection. <laughs> and and you can actually you can read a ton more about that as well if you head over to Glo... Ooh, where is it? It's Intrado. Globe Newswire. They've got an article called Emotion Detection and Recognition EDR Market to reach $33.9 by 2023. And you can okay. read all about it and various pieces of information about specific... Uh, well, it's all allied market research. A lot of it mm. is. But anyway, it's just that's a lot of money because i think the world and the markets at large understand how excited security firms would be to get a hold of this
0: sure and there are other uses too not all of them damaging you know i'm i'm fascinated to learn about this technology you know i think you and i talked about it earlier one of the big Problems is that uh, we're, we're building these things that are increasingly robust and intelligent, but we're building them too often for what critics would call specifically warlike or punitive purposes. You know, I, I'd like to point out that in another world, in another reality, uh, this kind of technology could be very useful for innocuous reasons. For an acting class, for example, Right. Because don't no, think about it. And I am reaching. I am free. No, I hear here. you. I hear you. Um, it's a shame. It won't be used for that. But you could make you could help some people uh, become pretty, pretty talented actors by training them to recognize and then later to mimic, uh, you know, the the proper human emotions, which a lot of us do that any like try in the mirror anyway. So I I think that would accelerate it because it's kind of a biofeedback, right? You like the way you can learn to sing, Um, but that's not what it's going to be used for for a while.
2: No, in my opinion, yeah, no, I agree. Right now, at least according to this one source, it seems to be used to uh, to keep control over a minority group inside mainland China. That's what it feels like. It's what it seems to be used for, anyway. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about something else. I'm done with this. You know, saying all of this while a camera is just continually mm. taking pictures mm. of my face and of your face and Doc Holliday's blank screen. Uh, mm. It's just,
0: I don't like it. It's not done with you, Matt. Not by a long shot. All
2: right. Uh, here's our sponsor. <laughs>
0: There's
5: plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
3: sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate
5: International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic
0: And we have returned. So who has not had this experience? If you have social media, you have a smartphone, or your friends have social media, your friends have a smartphone, you have likely encountered some kind of ad that seemed like it came out of the blue but knew too much about you. We can make up the anecdotes. It's a mad lip at this point. Everybody has a story like this. Let's say you're over at your... um, Matt, give me an interesting name, please. Richard's Variety Store. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, I'm just
2: joking.
0: (laughs) uh, No, it's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, So you're with your cousin, Richard, and you're at Richard's Variety Store, which is a neat little store here in Atlanta. And uh, Richard is... Let's say shopping for a surprise for their partner, right? And they say, you know, things are getting pretty serious. Uh so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my sweetheart a uh miniature a whoope- stone sculpture. Mini you are killing it with the props today. A miniature stone sculpture. There's uh, an
2: ad for it on the website I'm looking
0: at. <laughs> and a whoopee cushion. So she knows I'm also into the lighter side of life. Uh and they say, Okay, that's awesome. So you buy these little gifts with your pal Richard. And then you log on to your uh, Facebook or your probably statistically more like, more, and more likely your Instagram or TikTok. And then you start seeing sponsored content uh, for miniature stone castles or Whoopi 2.0, the last word in Whoopi Cushions. And then you also start seeing recommended things that tell you And some, it almost seems like urgency. You know, you're on Facebook and it says, Richard like Shake Shack. there's a picture of a burger and it's snitching on Richard's diet (laughs) to you. Uh, And you don't care. Maybe you guys just went to Shake Shack. Who knows? Most people have pretty reasonably assumed that this was happening because social media companies and data aggregators were less than honest about what they were collecting, how they were collecting it, and where they were moving it or where they were selling it and were being candid. And so today's story, with help from our conspiracy realist over at Here's Where It Gets Crazy, comes from a privacy tech advocate named Robert G. Reeve, who had one of these experiences. And he's one of those guys who, uh, living in that tech space, uh, he hears stories like this all the time, You know, reported the same way somebody might report a story about seeing Bigfoot. And I get the feeling that he was he was pretty often the voice of reason in the room, saying something like, well, I don't know if, I don't know if your uh, device can hear you the way that you seem to think it can. So he recently went on Twitter, Matt, and he unraveled the mystery. And what I'm hoping we can do with our, with our time in this segment is to uh, walk through some of his story and then stop and, and check in. So we'll, we'll start going through some of the tweets. That's great. Awesome. Robert, here's in case you are listening, sir. Thank you for the fantastic work. Here's what you had to say. I'm back from a week in my mom's house, and now I'm getting ads for her toothpaste brand, the brand I've been putting in my mouth for a week. We never talked about this brand or Googled it or anything like that. As a privacy tech worker, let me explain why this is happening. And this... For a long time, by the way, I I just assumed that apps were actively listening unless you explicitly denied microphone access. And even then, I thought, oh, well, how much do I, you know, how much do I trust it? The answer is zero, obviously.
2: Yeah, well, well just to be clear, Robert, and I know you're a privacy tech worker. No, I'm just joking. I'm not talking down to you like that, Robert. We we know you know more than us. But, you know, Siri and Alexa and those things are always listening. That doesn't mean they're always collecting data. Right, or they're not always sending data away. But we also do know that sometimes they are sending random sentences that are not, you know, officially hey Alexa's or whatever, okay, Googles and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it, but but we get what you're saying. Sorry.
0: Yeah. I I can you change the settings on those? I'm I'm somewhat of a somewhat technophobic in that regard, uh, just to the tracking. I wonder if you can change the settings to instead of like saying Alexa, whatever you could say something like, I summon you. I bet you can. I'm sure you can. That's way too much fun for that not to be a thing. Yeah, my, my favorite way to
2: make changes with our Google Home is to just uh, turn it off and then unplug our, our Wi-Fi.
0: <laughs> yeah, same, same. That's what I do when I'm in your house. Uh, so yeah, Thanks. You're <laughs> welcome, man. I'm looking out for you because uh, you're already asleep. You know what I mean? So it's, well, exactly. it's, on, it's on me. It's an issue of responsibility at that point. I appreciate <laughs> you letting me get so much rest. Thank uh, you. Just for the record, I have not broken into Matt's house. Uh, I left the door open. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So back to, uh, oh, back to Robert. He says, first of all, he, he does a bit of myth-busting here, and I'm grateful for it. He says, first of all, your social media apps are not listening to you. This is a conspiracy theory. It's been debunked over and over again. Which, you know, as you point out, Matt, it's not the same as um, the voice-activated surveillance devices or, you know, fun cylinders or whatever you're supposed to call them. Uh, He continues with his tweet and he says, But frankly, they don't need to, meaning they don't need to listen to you, because everything else you give them unthinkingly is way cheaper and way more powerful your apps collect a ton of data from your phone, your unique device ID, your location, your demographics. We know this. Data aggregators pay for to pull in data from everywhere. When I use my discount card at the grocery store, every purchase, that's a data set for sale. They can match my Harris Teeter purchases to my Twitter account because I gave both of those companies my email address and phone number, and I agreed to all that data sharing when I accepted those terms of service and the privacy policy. Here's where it gets truly nuts, though. Whoa, 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 whoa. Here's where it gets truly nuts, though.
2: I think Robert, Robert's trying not to, like, use our phrase, but
0: he knows what he's doing. I think that's very, that would I'm just make joking. our days. I'm you know what joking. I mean, Matt. According to that uh, Chinese facial recognition software, I have like three emotions a year, and I would be, I would be, uh, it would be awesome if being pleasantly surprised that way was one of those emotions. But I'm, I'm, I'm saving them. I like, you know me. I like to saving till toward the end. Ben is allowed to be
2: bored three times a year.
0: Yeah, three <laughs> is, is bored an emotion. <laughs> I guess so. I guess, I wonder if you can live, I wonder how long someone can be bored. It's such a foreign concept to me. Hmm, I don't know. Because at some point, doesn't it just become like listlessness or a symptom of something larger? Yeah. Like you I mean, can't, you probably aren't going to go to a psychologist or therapist and say, hey, I've been feeling bored for five years. I wonder what it is. And have them come back with a diagnosis that's just like, dude, you are super bored. Yeah. And, you know, d-
2: depression and, and mm. hopelessness and all those things can lead one down, I bet, paths of boredom. Mm. And I bet that's why boredom has actually, I just thought about it, Ben. That's why mm. boredom is tested. Because in some of the prison systems, not to jump back too hard. No, no, this is great.
0: This is great. But it's in intertwined.
2: The, yeah, they really do. In some of the prison systems, they're specifically looking to see if an inmate has suicidal thoughts or uh, self-harm, thoughts of self-harm or harming others, but specifically self-harm because the rates of self-harm in some of the prisons in China are so high, they're attempting to just make sure nobody is planning to hurt themselves that day.
0: Ah, yes, I see. That is an astute and excellent point. And, you know, both of these stories are really about the erosion of privacy and the obsessive tracking of people with the ultimate goal of predicting their actions. You know, you're not far off at all if you were thinking like M- Matt did about pre-crime. Uh, this is absolutely, the the both of these things absolutely lead to that path. Uh, but this one, this story now from Robert is primarily at this point about uh, messing with your head and priming you to buy stuff. Not an Amazon Prime reference, but... Yeah, I Get guess it was like that way, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff, I'm not paying you for that one. I just call him Jeff. Uh, so Robert goes on and he says, here's where it gets truly nuts though. If my phone is regularly in the same GPS location as another phone, they take note of that. They start reconstructing the web of people I'm in regular contact with. The advertisers can cross-reference my interest and browsing history and purchase history to those around me. It starts showing me different stuff based on the people around me. So family, friends, coworkers, knowing this, this is just a pause in his tweets, knowing this, man, just think about how sticky and strange those events can get. Like, let's say, oh, let's take Richard. Okay, let's say Richard's miniature stone sculpture and whoopee cushion were a success. And uh, let's say uh, Richard got a ton of boyfriend points for it. He's living high on the hog. Uh, And he is scrolling through some social media app or something, and he starts seeing ads for wedding rings. And he thinks, well, I'm against the idea of matrimony. I am never going to get married. Why the hell is this showing up for me? Well, it's because then, uh, your significant other really, really wants to get married. And that puts you, that puts you in a weird situation. That's possible. And, and Robert, that's where we continue Robert's uh, tweets here. It will serve me ads, he says, for things I don't want, but it knows someone I'm in regular contact with might want to subliminally get me to start a conversation about, I don't know, beat me on this, Doc, f***ing toothpaste. It never needed to listen to me for this. It's just comparing aggregated metadata. And then he also says, look, this is out in the open. Tons of people report on this. It's just no one cares. We decided privacy isn't worth it. It's a losing battle. We've already given away too much of ourselves. Uh, And then he goes on to share some fantastic resources that I highly recommend, Uh, Reply All, excellent podcast. They have a great episode as Facebook spying on you. We have a pretty solid episode on it too that could definitely use an update because it's several years old, but most of the information in there is still relevant and correct. And then one that I thought would be great for everyone to read is uh, New York Times op-ed, 12 million phones, one data set, zero privacy. And so Robert walks through this. He says, so they know my mom's toothpaste. They know I was at my mom's. They know my Twitter. Now I get Twitter ads for mom's toothpaste. Your dad isn't just about you. It's about how it can be used against every person you know or people you don't to shape behavior unconsciously. Ugh. <laughs> I know. And it's not, it's not science fiction anymore. It's not the realm of speculative novels or screenplays. This is happening, and it's going to continue. And you know, you can read more of Roberts' writing and and some of the responses to this. But I, I want to. I, this is what I keep thinking about, Matt. And I'd love to have your thoughts on this. How close does this get us to a system of sesame credit? By this, I mean, like um, when we were all going into the office. Every day, and we're, you know, we work on any number of shows, so we're recording all the time. How much of our data was interlinked, right? Would you or Noel get a, an ad for, you know, like tactical gear or something because we hang out and I was looking at it? Or would I get, would, would, um, you know, like Hall Mission Control? Or Alexis, Doc Holiday, get an ad for Magic: The Gathering because you were looking at new sets, right? And they would think, "Well, that's weird. I wonder why Mark or whomever wants me to play Magic: The Gathering. That's strange. I never got into it. Uh, I'm a Ghost of Tsushima guy, or whatever." Yeah. Um,
2: Well, I would just be like, "Well, you should really try Strixhaven because you know it's got like this Harry Potter vibe with all these different, you know." Clans within a school—they all study different things. You know, mm-hmm. I think you'd really be into it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, why can't you just recommend it? <laughs> uh, anyway, trying to—it's trying to, it's try oh, to save will. the work you I, you just did. So, uh, side note: I used to
5: collect Magic: The Gathering cards when I was little, so it actually wouldn't be strange if that popped up.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Wait, do you still have them? I was trying to find them, and I couldn't uh, because I was thinking they might actually be worth a lot of money. They, yeah, I couldn't yeah. find them, but yeah, I couldn't find them. They well, may well be.
2: Well, according to Robert, it doesn't matter if you say Magic the Gathering out loud again seven more times because your social media isn't listening to you. But, no. But you have been on a Zoom call with me a lot, and I have been searching Magic a lot, so mm-hmm. it could be happening.
0: Well, also, the algorithms could get it wrong. I mean, how hilarious would it be if we were talking about Magic: The Gathering, but the algorithm just picked up the idea of magic, and we started getting ads for like to become stage magicians oh, or something yes. like that. Do better. <laughs> we had that conversation, like and it's like, oh, how was your weekend? Ah, oh, Matt, I got really into magic. Like, no way. What cards do you have? And then I just uh, pull out like a deck of fifty-two, and I'm like, one Pick of one. these is yours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they're that concerned. That terrible joke, but, but the reason I'm bringing this up is because having your your data and your life be bound to the company this software believes you keep could, in the future, have a negative impact on you. What if, for instance, as the surveillance net tightens, um, you are seeing hang like you hang out with people who are considered to have bad credit, right? Uh will you find your credit impacted in the future by that just because you are associated with those people? You know, it's it's possible. And I don't know what laws have been written that might restrict that. They're certainly not applied at a federal level as far as I can find. But I'd love I'd love to learn more, maybe in a full episode. Um I, I think we can we can pause here for another word from our sponsor. wouldn't it be funny it was stage magicians and magic the gathering Uh, we can hope we can hope matt Uh, but while we're on this brief break before we come back and throw headlines at each other folks we want to hear from you what are some of the strangest uh things that you have run into what social media ads have mystified you and Did you ever find an explanation for them? Also, what do you think about uh, Robert G. Reeve? He seems on the up and up to us. He looks like he is uh, acting in good faith. He's relaying events the way he understands them. Do you believe him? Do you believe him when he says Instagram isn't tracking you through the microphone because they already have so much other stuff? Um, And if not, What's the alternative? I cannot wait to hear these stories. 1-833-STD-WYTK, uh, conspiracy at iheartmedia.com. Uh, stick with us. We'll be right back to try something new and, knowing us, strange.
5: There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
1: Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino & Rich, here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck you buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer, check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready
5: to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other.
2: and we're back Uh, everyone I have to tell you this and Ben I do not want to embarrass you with this I just need everyone to know that Ben reverted into his um, his extraterrestrial language that he sometimes uses it's something he's learned it's not like inside of it but he, he jumped into it for just a moment right before he went to break and just played it off like it was nothing and the emotion recognition software didn't pick anything up. So just an update.
0: Uh. (laughs) Yeah, that was my bad. You know, uh, (laughs) that was my, was my bad. My accent slipped for just a second, you know, but luckily uh, we've got each other's backs. The three of us here and and you listening at home or in the car or in the spaceship or wherever the wide world finds you today. Uh, And today, Matt. Speaking of terrible segues, uh, you and I have decided live on air while we were recording this show that we were just going to spend the last few minutes throwing some headlines at one another. And I think we both just in the real quick check in folks from the uh, beginning of this episode, what Matt and I were doing where we each threw a headline at the other person is honestly just checking to see if this could work. And if we had both heard of those things that we talked about, then we might not have done this. So it's quite fortuitous. We're working live. Matt, hit me with it. What's going on, man? What'd you see? Oh, sure.
2: Uh, let me make sure the Chicago Tribune will load for me. Yes, it will. Uh, this, was, this just popped up on the subreddit news. And here's, here's the title from Chicago Tribune. More than 30 stingrays died at the Shedd Aquarium over the winter, and officials Still don't know why. Now, the reason the reason I was bringing this up is because anytime there's a mass die-off in any population, uh, first of all, it stinks. Uh, second of all, it's puzzling because this species of stingray are specifically the kind that if you've ever been to an aquarium, you will sometimes see a small area where Anybody can walk up and touch some of the wildlife. So actually, put your hands into the water and interact physically with the wildlife. And that's what these these stingrays were. And to me, I was just wondering: is it some kind of pathogen that went from human to stingray? Is it is that even possible that that could happen? That it could go across species like that? Or you know, is it something with the water quality? And this is the Shed Aquarium in Chicago, Illinois. Ah. It reads as strange to me because I, they still didn't know what the heck killed all these 30 stingrays. They noticed that they were acting really strangely in January, and then all of a sudden, they just all went kaput.
0: You know what's really weird about this, man, is that when I guessed Florida, I was wrong maybe about your zoo, but I was right about another one. Just four days ago, uh, all, all the stingrays in a tank at, a, at Zoo Tampa died what oh that's the one that's the one Ben that is the one the Chicago article is from 2019 but still coincidence there's a stingray killer yeah I wonder and it's different because this mystery may be a little bit easier to solve given that the stingrays are located in a, a very well defined smaller environment right than the ocean yes correct all right Matt here's, here's what I wanted to throw at you Uh, This is partially about the terrors of building thinking machines as weapons of war and then partially about how tricky headlines can be. Business insider South Africa reports a rogue killer drone, quote, hunted down a human target without being instructed to. This is according to a U.N. report. Here's the problem. This thing they're talking about specifically is what's called a Cargo 2 quadcopter. It autonomously attacked a human being during a battle between Libyan government forces and a breakaway military faction. It's built in Turkey. It's designed for asymmetric warfare, anti-terrorism operations, and it's designed to it's designed to not always need data connectivity between the operator and the drone. So it works such that, like, you imagine you're flying the drone. Uh, Doc, we're gonna pick on you on this one. So, Doc Holiday, you're flying the drone, and you're the best drone pilot in insert military here, right? You are, you are the Doc Holiday of of this drone program. But there's a spotty connection, and all of a sudden, your screen freezes, and you cannot steer or direct your Cargo Two quadcopter. What the Cargo Two does instead is just continue on its own with the instructions or the programs it believed it was given so i think it's a little unfair to say this thing went rogue but i do think it's fair to say this means there are autonomous uh flying killing machines out there and there with will be network more in the issues <laughs> with network issues yes yeah absolutely uh that's a bad one for us to end on matt
2: no, it's okay. The situation you described, Ben, feels very similar to this Zoom call where Ben, you you've got a narrative that you can that you are speaking to, and then you have a co-host who uh, has a terrible connection that hears you most of the time, then tries to say something, and then it comes the the information comes in way later, and now it's too late. <laughs> it's just really bad.
0: <laughs> well, well, how twenty twenty one is this, Matt? Uh, you and I are in the same building right now. We're like two creepy rooms away. People must think our office is the creepiest place if they haven't seen our YouTube videos on the same network somehow. Uh so true. I, I think that that is illustrative of just how finicky network connections can be. But I would argue this makes this could make uh drone warfare even more dangerous as as these entities become increasingly autonomous you know wh- what kind of safeguards can we build in should we try well i i don't know how hot of a take this is but should we try not to specifically design the earliest ancestors of artificial intelligence to be war machines can't we just make them really happy to play Magic the Gathering, you know, I'm sure there's an algorithm that would be amazing at it.
2: We we tried that already. That AI's name is Sparky. You can play against Sparky as much as you want. Sparky even says like, "Hey, let's play again. Oh man, that was a great play. You, oh, dude, you're good at this. Oh, let's try let's meet up again soon after you defeat Sparky." So, they're already working on MTG AI. Wow, that's fun to say.
0: Ooh, I like that. Okay, well, let's end it there today. Uh, folks, maybe we'll do this again. We'll throw some random headlines at each other, but you know what we'll do, Matt? I think we'll um, let's each get like eight that we don't know about and then just th- throw them rapid fire. <laughs> And maybe, maybe we can even make I'm doing like the end of a Rick and Morty episode. I'm sorry. Maybe we can even make it like one of the headlines is fake. And you have to guess which one is fake. I'm kind of ripping off Jonathan Strickland. So we'll think of something different. Maybe we could put some stakes on it. Maybe we could gamble, gamble stakes. Maybe. I really thought he oh, okay. said snakes. No, I'm I'm
2: gamble snakes. Why not? <laughs> so I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read you two really fast, rapid fire. Jeff Bezos will step down as Amazon CEO on right. July 5th. So you're gonna have to name a different guy next time you make a reference to the CEO of Amazon. Um, uh, last one. All right. Um, this is an old one, but Amazon to buy MGM Studios for 8.45 billion. Oh, okay. That none of those matter. They're not conspiratorial.
0: Amazon wants to get into healthcare. That's conspiratorial. MGM, dude. We're talking about Mayor Goldwyn M. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Metro Golden Mayor, I believe. There it is. Metro Golden Mayor. Uh, we we would love to hear more random headlines from you, fellow conspiracy realists. Uh, we've been a bit light on this one. There is some incredibly disturbing, heavy. Uh, stuff going on in the world as we record. It's it's been the case forever uh, since the creation of this show. And we typically are going to return to those in the form of full episodes. For now, we need your help. We want to hear your stories. What's your experience with facial recognition? With all this near-future tech that is bleeding over the edge from fiction into fact, do you think a private company like Amazon would be great for healthcare? Uh, What do you think uh, we should do about rogue drones? And what are your weird social media uh, stalking stories when the algorithm does it? Not, Not some weirdo you met on the internet. That's great.
2: Yes, you can find us all over the place on Twitter and Facebook. We are at Conspiracy Stuff on Instagram, Conspiracy Stuff Show. On YouTube, we are also Conspiracy Stuff. Check out all of our videos. There are so many of them, even videos of these conversations. This one might be a little choppy considering the network situation in which we currently find ourselves. Um, But hey, if you don't want to use social media because, you know, we just talked about how that's kind of a weird thing. Uh, you can always give us a call. We have a phone number.
0: Yes, we do have a phone number. It is 1 833 STDWYTK. Three minutes. Those three minutes belong to you. You'll hear a brief message from me and then you are off to the races, my friends. Just tell us your name. Give yourself a nickname if you prefer. We always love those. Tell us what's on your mind. If there's anything private uh, that you would rather not be stated on air Uh, let us know that in the message I'm suggesting Matt that going forward from now on uh, we just tell people if you're calling us and you do not want us to use your name or voice tell us that you don't we're switching from an opt-in to opt-out which is a a pretty weird move we'll see how it works out and if you uh, like many of us in 2021 hate being on the phone for any non-emergency reason uh, and you hate social media because you heard our earlier episodes on it, never fear. We have one more way for you to contact us anywhere in the world any time of day. That's our good old-fashioned email address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com